The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. First, this morning we start from political turmoil to the financial turmoil. And a pivotal moment for the American financial system in just 24 hours. Markets are going to reopen and rattled investors are starting to assess the fallout of the second largest bank collapse in U.S. history. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. What I'll say about the banking system overall is it's more resilient. The banking system is safe. It has a better foundation than before the financial crisis. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. President there is trying to send that very clear and strong message to Americans that they can trust the financial system, trust the banks, and that their money will be there if and when they want to go and pull it out. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Are watching this closely, taking the situation seriously. We certainly are working to address this situation in a timely way. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen insists this is not a bailout. This is not a bailout. We're not going to do that again. Bottom line, it sounds like you're not ready to offer them a bailout. Oh, I'm not ready to offer them a bailout by any stretch of the imagination. The banking system is safe. Each case is different. I don't think this is anything like... 2008. Everyone remembers 2008, but he's saying this is not that. This is a different situation. The banking system is safe. I don't think we have to worry about that. We don't have contagion in the financial system itself. So you can tell the American people this morning, because I think this has caused a lot of concern, uh, that the U.S. banking system is safe and secure. Mr. President, what do you know right now about why this happened? And can you assure Americans that there won't be a ripple effect? Do you expect other banks to fail, Mr. President? Second largest bank collapse in U.S. history just before the weekend. And Biden and company swoop in to tell you everything is fine. Everything is just fine. You can trust us. The American banking system is safe. Hello. Welcome back to the Trumpet Daily. I'm Sam Livingston, your guest host on today's show. Mr. Stephen Flurry asked me to sub in for today. There's quite a bit of activity going on with the college, so... Uh, he asked me to just fill in for today. Well, that montage there was about Silicon Valley Bank, one of the largest banks or one of the larger banks in the United States. That bank went under on Friday. It's the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. I think the largest one happened during the financial crisis in 2008. There are a lot of different tentacles to this story, so hopefully I'll be able to cover uh, quite a bit of it. Mr. Richard Palmer is working on a trumpet brief that will provide quite a bit more detail on this story as well. You can subscribe to the trumpet brief if you haven't at our website, thetrumpet.com. Send any feedback that you have for the show, td at thetrumpet.com. This bank was really into uh, tech startups, so there's a lot of um, bubble money, I guess you could call it, going it, or, or that this company was lending, especially over the last two or three years with all the COVID stimulus, all of the lockdowns, a lot of people switching to 
were trying to start these online companies. And this bank was one of the foremost lenders to these startups. And it also lends to a lot of foreign uh, companies as well. Again, Silicon Valley Bank. What, um, well, Mr. Palmer, he provided quite a few details for me. Essentially, this bank, they pulled in a lot of money really quick with all of these startups, and they have to use that money. They have to uh, loan it out, or they have to purchase assets so that there's something backing it. And essentially what this bank did was it bought a lot of U.S. treasuries, and it bought them when interest rates were really low. Now, the complication is uh, you want to re be able to resell those, but if you've bought them and they have a low interest rate on them, like 0.5%, you're not going to make as much money trying to sell that bond or that treasury to someone else. And now that interest rates are at 4 5%, uh, rather than buying that treasury or, uh, with a low interest rate, you'd want to buy one with a higher one so you get more money back. So this bank really overplayed its hand in buying or investing in those treasuries and essentially word got out that there there wasn't uh, backing to a lot of this money kind of similar to what happened with FTX and there was a run on the bank people wanted their money especially these companies where okay well the FDIC they only insure your account up to $250,000 and they have multiple millions probably billions and or some of them have billions in this bank and they said we're getting out of there and there's, like I said, a lot of tentacles to this story. Some of the top executives there started selling off all of their shares before uh, the, the big announcement on Friday. Likely, they saw it coming. Uh, Mr. Palmer talks about how they were, again, over-invested in things like treasury bonds. I think he says in here about 56-60% of their assets were in these sorts of securities whereas a, a, a normal bank would have 25 to 30%. Again, this is triggering a run on the banks in a lot of places, especially in California. There were lines of people outside of these banks trying to get their money. They couldn't. Uh, Janet Yellen came in and pretty much said that the U.S. government would be giving this bank a loan so that they could, or, or so that people could have access to their money. But there's another ripple-on effect here where a lot of these smaller banks now are worried because the government, when it comes to these big banks, they swoop in and they'll help with a huge loan or they'll help bail them out. And people are saying, well, I'd rather have my money in a big bank where I know the government will come and help them out instead of these small banks. So quite a few banks uh, in California, especially right now, are just um, failing uh, I think they said there at the start in the FSN update, there's another uh, signature bank that just went under. And then here comes Joe Biden to tell you everything's just fine. Like I said, there's a lot of angles here. I think one to mention is how people are losing trust in, or it's like the government is intentionally trying to uh, destroy the credibility of the banking system, talking about how you know, making people lose trust in those smaller banks. A lot of those local banks are the ones that avoid a lot of the woke politics. And uh, Mr. Palmer says here, one-third of U.S. deposits are in these small banks. Now, if people start losing trust in them and they go under and all the money gets consolidated into four or five of the big banks and they're right in line with what the government wants because they want 
those regulations to work in their favor. Well, it's a lot easier to manipulate the way people uh, believe or think because they don't want to lose access to their money. Uh, this SVB bank has $150 billion in funds that people can't access right now. And a lot of people are talking about how, well, this bank, it's, there is a ripple on, but they're also a one-off because of just how woke they are. I, a lot of these companies, FTX is one that comes to mind. They know how to, how to schmooze the regulators, how to give uh, all of Biden's officials in Washington what they want. Well, uh, SVB, they hire their DEI director. It's all about diversity. I read somewhere that they didn't have, I don't remember the name of the position, like a risk manager. Uh, so their focus is on appeasing the wokesters and leaving the shareholders in the dust. And as this uh, interview with, uh, this was from the co-founder of Home Depot, he was on Fox News, and he was talking about how they're ignoring shareholders, which is, you know, if, if your focus is on making profits for people, you're going to be smarter with how you use that money rather than focusing on clean energy and, and diversity hires. Here's a clip from that interview on Sunday, clip two. Well, all I know is that uh, I, I can't wait for Biden to get, uh, get on the speech again and talk about how great the economy is. Uh, and how it's moving forward and getting stronger by the day. And this is an indication that whatever he says is not true. And maybe the American people will finally wake up and understand that we're living in very tough times. That, in fact, the recession may have already started. Who knows? But it doesn't look good. And I, I feel bad for all these people that lost all their money in this woke bank. You know, it was more distressing to hear that the bank officials sold off their stock before this happened. Uh, it's depressing to me. Uh, who knows whether the Justice Department would go after them? Uh, they're a woke company, so I guess not. In a lot of ways, it's very predictable. Like he says there, I can't wait to hear Biden come out and say how strong the economy is. <laughs> it's like right on cue, Biden comes out and says, the banking system is safe. The economy is better than it's ever been. I could have brought even more clips of him talking about that. He says, maybe the American people will finally wake up. I think the FTX scandal last year, then you look at this bank collapse and it just kind of pops out of nowhere. And, and like that, that bank there, again, with a lot of these tech startups, it, it's like this bubble that's just been waiting to pop for a long time. There's, there's all this excitement and, and enthusiasm about it, and then you start you know, pulling back the layers, and there's not a lot of substance to it, and then everybody realizes that, and then the system crumbles. So, so much of what we see is a facade. It's selling the, the ideology. And, you know, hoping that that will get the regulators to turn a blind eye. FTX pulled it off. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank apparently is doing the exact same thing, promising all of these loans to companies where, you know, they're green startups or they're, they're, they've made all of these commitments to green initiatives. But there's not a lot of substance to the company itself. Here's another clip from the uh, co-founder of Home Depot, clip three. I think there probably are, yeah. I think that the system, I think that the administration 
has pushed many of these banks into more concern about global warming than they do about shareholder return. Uh, and these banks are badly run because everybody is focused on diversity and all of the woke issues and not concentrating on one thing they should, which is shareholder returns. Uh, instead of protecting the shareholders and their, and their employees, uh, they're more concerned about the social policies. And I think it's probably a badly run bank. Uh, they've been there for a lot of years. It's uh, pathetic that so many people lost money that won't get it back. Like I was saying earlier, they're, they're badly run. There's a lot of angles to this story that focus on diversity. I mean, you can only talk nicely for so long before you know, the rubber has to meet the road. What are we actually doing that isn't just talk? And now we're seeing, it's like that latest issue of the Trumpet or, or two issues ago, the fake world. All of these layers being pulled back and there's no substance to anything that we're seeing. This is an article from Real Clear Markets. It's titled, With SVB, It Takes a Village to Mess Things Up Badly. It takes a lot of people to ignore these warning signs. I mean, these aren't small potatoes banks, <laughs> your local bank, you know, in Guthrie or something like that. This is Silicon Valley Bank. These are the massive tech startups in San Francisco, San Jose, uh, investing or working with this bank. Where are the regulators? Where are the risk managers within that bank to see this coming? The focus a lot of times is just diversity, 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 <laughs> climate, climate, climate. And they somehow, all the warning signs get ignored. I mean, in, in a lot of these cases, it's, it's pretty predictable. And then they, the, the Biden administration, as per usual, blames Donald Trump for deregulating a lot of these things, I'll, I'll need to look into that a bit more because it's just like that Ohio train disaster. They blame Trump's deregulations that actually had nothing to do with the disaster. So the, the automatic response is blame Trump as if Biden and Democrats haven't controlled all of the levers of government for the last two years and could have imposed more of these regulations. And you wonder how much of this happens on purpose, on purpose to destroy people's trust in the system to help contribute to the downfall of America's economy. This bank, they were committed to provide at least $5 billion in loans to companies who promised to decarbonize, to pr that promised to uh, set goals for net zero emissions, to have a sustainable future. I mean, all of the, all of the buzzwords are there. And apparently that's all it takes for all of these uh, financial regulators to just turn away and to let a crisis like this happens. And like that uh, co-founder was saying, it's, it's really sad that these people you know, lose their money. I'm sure there are a lot of normal people that weren't businesses who did have their money tied up in there, and now they can't access it. And it's, it's all this commitment to these ethereal ideas and they're not grounded in reality and now we're seeing what happens when 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 the trouble comes where where's the substance behind these businesses this is this is a clip another crazy one this is from biden's energy secretary uh granholm this is clip four 
the countries all are susceptible to pressure, to peer pressure. They don't want to be the outlier. I mean, there's a couple of countries that we know are outliers and don't care. But but I think China has done, um, has been very sensitive and has actually invested a lot in their solutions uh, to achieve their goals. So we're, we're hopeful that you know, we can all learn from what China is doing, but the amount of money that they're investing in clean energy is actually, you know, uh, encouraging. Uh, as we say, inshallah, God willing, hopefully. The- there, she's praising China, who just, I mean, China makes billions off of all of these green energy policies because all of these batteries and these components for these turbines, solar panels, they're made in China. So, of course, they want to appear committed to it because they can just sell out these American companies. I mean, they're ripping us off, as Donald Trump says all the time, because, I mean, at this point, it doesn't seem like they're just these these politicians are naive about it. Of course, they're not. They know what's going on here. I, I forgot to grab it, but Mr. Gerald Flurry has that article from a few years back about the Paris Climate Accords and how that that uh, th- this climate agenda is used to bring down uh, America's capitalist system. It's used to attack the United States. And you see that in so many ways now with the way these businesses are being run. I mean, sh- it's shameful for her to be up there praising China. I mean, we have to spend more, follow China's example here. And then she says... Uh, what, inshallah, Allah willing? <laughs> this is crazy. America's leaders are crazy right now. Tucker Carlson, he had a clip talking about how <laughs> when you're wealthy and prosperous, it's okay to have the clowns in leadership for a little while, but okay, what happens when uh, we start having actual problems? Well, we need the serious people back, and they're not coming back. This is from his show last Friday night. This is clip six. Yeah. Great, that's fine. And we got peace and prosperity. You can handle some dumb people at the helm and it's kind of amusing. They're fun to laugh at. But if things start going south, the dumb people have to leave and they should be replaced by the smart, wise people who have some idea of how to fix things. But those people have not yet arrived. Joe Biden just introduced a $7 trillion budget. Oh, a budget, funding, that's money, right? That should address the core economic concerns that every person can feel. Most people don't understand it. Everybody can feel it. So this $7 trillion budget mentions climate change 148 times. It mentions equity, never defined, 63 times. Environmental justice, 25 times. And cross-dressing, now known as transgenderism, eight times. Feel better? Woo, the adults back? No. But it will add $20 trillion to the national debt over 10 years, and that means more inflation and more interest rate heights and more bank failures. This could be very, very, very serious. We hope it's not. We hope it ends today, an isolated story, but it very much could be. But our leaders don't care, and in fact, they seem to be doing everything they can to accelerate it. And that's not reassuring. They seem to be doing everything they can to accelerate it, and that's not reassuring at all. I mean, I wonder, you know, if on one hand they want you to laugh at them. It just totally ruins the credibility of the United States, and that's what they want. They want to bring this country down. The communists are in control. That's what this book, America Under Attack, is all about. It's intentional. I mean, you look at these cases like with FTX and SVB, it's it's almost entirely avoidable 
if the government is doing its job, and then it's allowed to happen. And it's, it's like they want America to be a laughingstock. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 37 talks about the United States and the curses that will befall it in the end time. It says, And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whether the Lord shall lead you. That word astonishment in this context is ruin, waste, consternation, which is amazement or dismay that hinders or throws into confusion. A byword is a taunt, something that's pointed at. I mean, you listen to that clip of Jennifer Granholm, and how are the Chinese not just laughing at the United States? I mean, you go from what Donald Trump was doing, and then Biden gets in, and it's the total opposite. How do you not laugh at this country? And in the meantime, make billions of dollars off of it as well. Tucker mentioned Joe Biden's budget proposal that they published on Friday. Calls for $4.7 trillion in tax increases. Now, as he says over and over and over again, this will not impact anybody who makes under $400,000 a year. And of course, on paper, that's how they write it. That's how it reads. $437 billion of that tax increase will come from uh, minimum income tax on the wealthiest taxpayers. Again, I, there's a whole laundry list here of all of these things. Fossil fuel income tax for the, the large oil companies, energy taxes, higher taxes on capital gains. You know, it's just all to hit these, these billionaires, the couple hundred billionaires in America. And it's, it's, these companies, it's not like they just walk away profiting billions and billions of dollars and they just go stick it in a shoebox. I mean, they're reinvesting it. They're building their company. So there isn't a ton of profit. That's how they run them. So when you start taxing them like that, obviously they're going to pass that down to consumers and you see it everywhere. I mean, it's not that that is inflation in a lot of ways. And that's what is driving so much of this. How are you going? It, it, it's socialism. How can you as a company afford to keep running when the government wants to take more from you? You pass that down onto the customer and then that hurts the average American along with raising all, all of these taxes on the wealthy, the United States also needs to borrow another $1.5 trillion to fund this big spending plan. I mean, I doubt it will go anywhere now that there is a Republican-controlled House. Um, I wanted to play this clip. This was from a couple weeks ago. It's from Kevin O'Leary. He's that... Uh, investor. I can't remember what show he's on. Some some NBC show. Um, a lot of what he says isn't, isn't accurate, isn't right, but he's got a lot of money. He provides a lot of funding to businesses and, and startup companies. And here's what he said on CNN. Now, this was March 3rd. And then think about this clip in the context of what has just happened in California. This is clip five. And here's the one thing that nobody saw coming. And this is the competition of states. I don't put companies here in New York anymore, or in Massachusetts, or in New Jersey, or in California. Those states are uninvestable. The policy here is insane. The taxes are too high. We put them in Fargo, North Dakota. So I was, you know, a bit of a debate with Elizabeth Warren about this, but I say, look, 
senator, we've got to move the companies out of your state because you're not investable anymore. You're punishing people if they're successful. You overtax them. You hit them with a super tax. New Jersey, what a mess. New York, uninvestable. Wait, why is New York uninvestable? Try and do a project in New York. Try and build but a yeah, data. Yeah, I'm asking, Don's point, is it beyond the taxes? Oh, the regulatory environment is punitive. But somebody has to call it out because this is a competition of states now and we don't put money there anymore. We put it in other places and jobs are created elsewhere. Over time, this is going to diminish New Jersey, diminish New York, diminish Massachusetts and California out of business. Out of business. El Morte. No business there. You can't do business there. I don't know what that place is going to turn into. Maybe a tourist zone, but no business. Imagine San Francisco. You can't even walk at night out in the street. California, out of business. I mean, it's making a lot of pretty obvious points. Who would want to open a business in San Francisco? Look at the curses falling on the United States. California, New York, these are the, the epicenters of wealth and prosperity. The promises that God made to Abraham and these states are being run into the ground. I wanted to refer you to an article Mr. Palmer wrote a couple of years ago titled, Why Are the Wealthy Woke? I don't have time to read a lot from there, but I mean, it talks about you know, why these big companies get so much protection from the government. I mean, you, you just see that ideology. I mean, they can say it's capitalism, we're using a big business, but they're totally wedded together. We see that all the time in the Twitter files. As all of these events unfold, all of these huge events, I mean, it's still, it's so shocking to hear them come on the, 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 the airwaves and say, everything's just fine. Don't worry about it. I mean, it's just lied to right to your face. I thought it was interesting just going through the clips this morning. How many of these uh, mainstream newscasters, I call them regime propaganda or the propagandists, just focus all of your attention on Fox News as if that's the only thing that matters anywhere. Here's a montage of some of their coverage from over the weekend, clip seven. Uh, gotta talk about this. Yeah. Huge news, Fox. Fox News. Fox News. Fox News. Fox News. Fox News. Should we be referring to Fox as a news network? Probably not. We shouldn't call them a news network. Probably not. I well, we shouldn't. So I'm gonna say that sort of sounds like the White House doesn't think Fox is a news organization, but we'll, we gotta leave it there. Why do we give them legitimacy? So the question is not just what do we call them, sure, we should decide that, but also what are we gonna do about the fact that they still have an enormous viewer uh, how does this politicking by Fox's leaders pose a danger to our democratic process? We need to take a look at, uh, you know, how this is being broadcast to our troops. I, I hope that's an incentive for Fox News to clean up uh, its evening hour. The reason why some folks don't trust uh, news institutions is because some of them lie. This should be against the law. You should not be able yeah. to, lay, to lie to the American knowingly. I think everybody has a responsibility, if you call yourself a news organization, to, uh, to tell the truth. What do we do as Americans to, to say this is not okay? It's not news or truthful. And I think that tells you everything that you need to know. It's called a distortion. Editors can turn 44,000 hours of violent insurrection footage 
into a respectful sightseeing tour of the Capitol. Yeah, you know, I always think about Fox's tagline that it built itself up on uh, fair and balanced, which always seemed to be done with a wink. I think folks suspected that they were in cahoots with the Republican Party, but never had this kind of evidence before. <laughs> The new court filings dropped just last night, and the big surprise is something that should surprise no one. Fox News doesn't believe a word they say, and neither should you. There's so many huge stories they could be covering, and they want to focus on Fox News exposing these little kernels of truth. They can't stand to be exposed. In America under attack, Mr. Fleury writes, Satan has been influencing the minds of the elites in particular increasingly staring policy and shaping public discourse, the mainstream media have been overcome by the devil. I mean, you see that all the time. I and mean, Fox News is a tabloid in many ways. They hardly get into the truth here. And look at how the rest of the regime panics about just a little, uh, what did Churchill call it, that a mouse of thought appears in the room and they panic. They can't handle it. This clip, uh, we can go ahead and play it. It's that clip of Jane Fonda over the weekend talking about you know, how should we treat the pro-lifers. This is clip eight. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. That's Jane's speaking, yeah. and, and, and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's very, the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But I'm I, not going to do it. Besides, I, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous... <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run that's it the in. Worst. She's joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about... <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Jane's actors. She's just kidding. It's Well, let me talk to you about And Look at the look she gives her. Oh, she's just kidding. And then she scowls at her, and she doesn't laugh at all during any of that. We have to murder them. That's their option. We've played those clips of Steve Schmidt talking about shooting the January 6th protesters. They're unhinged. And how do you explain it without America under attack? We had quite a few more stories uh, that I wanted to touch on a little bit. I was running short on time in preparation this morning. Uh, we did talk a little bit during the week about the, the big protests in Israel and how much the Antiochus administration in the United States is influencing those protests. I thought it would be appropriate to play Mr. Fleury's, one of his more recent episodes about the King of the South, and this booklet has just been updated quite a bit, and you can request that for free at thetrumpet.com. But these protests, they've been going on for about 10 weeks throughout Israel, and, and the ambassador from the United States is there helping fan the flames. And there's a lot of talk these days about World War III and nuclear weapons and the war in Ukraine and Russia, but all of it, as Mr. Fleury points out in this book, gets back to understanding and watching what's going on in the Middle East. We can go ahead and conclude today's program playing this Key of David program from Mr. Fleury. It's titled The King of the South. If you have any comments for today's show, you can send those to td at thetrumpet.com. And we'll go ahead and conclude today's show with Mr. Fleury's Key of David program 
the king of the south. The Trumpet Daily. Herbert W. Armstrong long forecast the arrival of a military superpower in Europe. In a world where European nations can't rely on the United States. One in which they fear Russia and face the constant threat of radical terror. Their only hope of survival is to band together. This is what we see happening. And what we see happening was prophesied in your Bible. Request Germany and the Holy Roman Empire to learn about the history of Germany and the Holy Roman Empire and to understand where the events in Europe today are leading. 3,000 years ago, the prophet Daniel explained that at the time of the end, radical Islam would push against Europe. That time is now. We are witnessing the first manifestations of this Islamist push against Europe and it's leading to a spectacular clash between these two prophesied kings, the king of the north and the king of the south. What does the Bible say about the identity of these two kings? What about the end time? Will everyone be affected by these events? Request our two booklets, The King of the South and Germany and the Holy Roman Empire. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Greetings, everyone. We have updated my book on the King of the South, and we will, uh, but it is really considerably better, and we will be happy to send you a copy if you'd like to request it. All of our literature is free. The U.S. is uh, supporting Ukraine in a war against Russia, and now Russia has rejected our nuclear arms agreement, our covenant. And so many reporters are looking at that, and quite a few of them anyhow, and are wondering and somewhat fearful of World War III because it's not looking good at all. So uh, I want to read you one small quote. Herbert W. Armstrong prophesied for decades that we should focus on the Middle East. That is where the world order would begin to unravel, triggering World War III. Now, did that happen? Has that come to pass? If you look at the Middle East today, is it unraveling, or could you say it's already unraveled? Now, that certainly is the way it is in the Middle East, and that's dangerous beyond what most people think. But the good news of all this is, the conclusion of it all is that Jesus Christ is going to stop World War III Himself. He's going to have to, or, well, there wouldn't be anybody left. So He's going to do that, and He's going to uh, make sure that there are no more wars in this world forever. And there are over a hundred prophecies that tell you just that. But the transition is not going to be easy going from this world to the rule of Jesus Christ. I wrote this in December 1994. This is a Trumpet article titled, Is Iraq About to Fall to Iran? 
Here's what I wrote. The most powerful Arab country in the Middle East is Iran. Can you imagine the power they would have if they gained control of Iraq, the second largest oil-producing country in the world? Now, that essentially has happened. Iran has great control over Iraq today, and they have all that oil, and a lot of people just don't understand how powerful that Iran is becoming in the Middle East. They just don't understand. If you look at what's happening now, China and Iran are uniting with Russia against Ukraine. Ukraine supporters, including the U.S. and the U.K. and other nations of Europe, and this is so. This is not a small problem. It's something that we really do need to be concerned about. We can't just keep ourselves blind to what's going on in this world, or we're going to pay a very high price of suffering. Daniel 11 and verse 40. Here's what it says, and at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him. This is Iran, the king of the south, and the king of the north, this is the uh, European power led by Germany, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, and with horsemen, and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries, and shall overflow, and pass over. So this Daniel 11, verse 40 vision continues right on down to the end of this book, in all of chapter 12. And it, it uh, concludes with Jesus Christ returning and ruling this world. You can read that yourself. The King of the North, though, conquers the Iranian power. And we need to understand that because it is going to shake the world when that happens. And they're not going to be able to uh, believe it very easily, but it is going to happen. The King of the North is that European power, and, and it's going to uh, cause a lot of problems. Let's notice Daniel 12 and verse 1 where this vision continues. You know, and I think from uh, uh, those of you who are familiar with this program know that Daniel uh, 12 and verse 4 and verse 9 tell you that Daniel is only for this end time, only for this end time. Notice what Daniel 12 and verse 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which stands for the children of your people, that is Israel, and that includes America and Britain and the Jewish nation. They are primarily Israel in this end time, prophetically. And then it goes on to say, And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. So here we find good news even there. God says that He's going to protect his very elect in this horrible time that's coming upon this earth. And he, he says, many are called, but few are chosen. But more people should be uh, chosen 
And we need to be concerned about this because this is reality we're talking about. This is the real world, and everybody should be concerned about it. Now let's read John just a little further, and we'll see how inspiring this conclusion is. Verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So that's after the second coming of Christ. Then verse 3, notice this, one of the most inspiring verses in the Bible, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness. They turn many to righteousness. What is God going to reward them with for doing that? Notice, And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. They're going to shine like the stars forever and ever and ever. That is what God is going to reward people for if they help to get this message out before Christ gets here. That's what this is all about. The very elect of God will turn many to righteousness. Uh, That's an inspiring ending that ought to really be pondered by all of us because it means so much to every one of us, whether we heed it now or not. God is still going to bring these things to our minds in the future. But we will be able to share David's throne with uh, Jesus Christ as his bride and rule the world forever and then rule the universe forever. We get to share the throne with Jesus Christ himself all that time forever. Let's go back in history, and I want to just show you a little bit of how this all develops right up to uh, now before our eyes. Here is a short quote. Back in 1993, Iran asserted its authority in a territorial claim in Persian Gulf waters. The Washington Report in Middle East Affairs wrote this about this incident. Apparently, the Iranians are calculating exactly how far they can push their neighbors. And at about that time, Iran had humiliated the U.S. Navy by holding some of its soldiers hostage at gunpoint because they had gotten a little bit over in their waters, and it was all done accidentally. But nevertheless, they were demanding an apology before the whole world, and they wanted to humiliate the U.S. and show the world who was really in charge of the Middle East. And we let it all happen. And so, Then later came Afghanistan, and we caved in there, too, in many ways. According to people in the world, that's the way they view it, and certainly the way it is. But we know that uh, this King of the South is very, very aggressive and pushes again and again and again. Surely we have to believe that somewhere along the line, somebody is going to respond to one of those calculated pushes that uh, really uh, they didn't calculate too well. That's what we're uh, looking at, and pretty soon Iran is probably going to get the nuclear bomb. Another short quote. Here's what it says. 
The word push means to strike, used of horned animals, or to push with a horn. It also means to wage war. Push is a violent word. Think about all of the crusades they have had in this world, and often backed by the Holy Roman Empire. But look at all of the horrible desolation in this world, and they're, they're fighting over Jerusalem because it's a holy city to the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews, and it is causing all kinds of problems in this world. Think about this. The most precious jewel of Iran's plan is to conquer Jerusalem. They know that if they could do that, they could get the whole Arab world behind them, or at least they, most of them. But this is what their passion is all about. There's a similar passion in the Jews and the uh, Europeans as well. You can prove all of this to yourself, and you certainly do need to, because this is reality in the Middle East. And it's chaotic to the core when you look at all the problems we face over there at this time, and where is America in the Middle East today, as it has been in the past. In 1997, Iraq conducted major war games involving between 150,000 and 500,000 soldiers, codenamed Road to Jerusalem. Now, can you think of anything more provocative than that? from Iran to the Jews and to America as well, and even Britain, because both America and Britain support the Jews in that respect. But that threat is real, and they have a plan, and, and, they, and they're going to fulfill it if they can, but somebody is going to stop them. Here's another short quote. We know but one word. This is from Yasser Arafat, the late Yasser Arafat. He said, We know but one word struggle, struggle, jihad, jihad, jihad. When we stop our intifada, when we stop our revolution, we go to the greater jihad, the jihad of the independent Palestinian state with its capital, Jerusalem. Jihad is the Arabic cry for holy war. They call this a holy war, and they are becoming, that is Iran, is becoming a superpower, and that is disturbing to a lot of people. You can see the fruits of that everywhere you look, and they are the number one sponsor of terrorism in the world. That is how they became the King of the South. They terrorized so many people and showed that they had power and are not afraid to use it. And what is going to happen if they get the nuclear bomb? And they almost have it now. It could uh, be announced any day, I suppose. But what are we doing about it? Well, certainly you can't see very much that is being done. I want to read to you again just something here to help you understand that this nation is different than any others. If they get the nuclear bomb, you can be assured of a nuclear war. 
That's a that's there's not even any question about that. Here's a quote: Either we shake one another's hands in joy, the the Arab leader says, in the victory of Islam in the world, or all of us will turn to eternal life and martyrdom. In both cases, victory and success are ours. That's the way they view it. Former Israeli ambassador to the United Nations Dory Gold said that a nuclear Iran can't be deterred like the Soviet Union was during the war. The Iranians have a much more radical belief system. They think their savior, the twelfth Imam or Mahdi, will return sooner if they cause more apocalyptic chaos and violence. As Dory Gold pointed out. Anyone who says with confidence that the West can get used to nuclear Iran and rely on classic deterrence models has absolutely no idea of what he is up against. There is no nuclear power that thinks like that. They want to hasten a war because they think that will、uh, hasten the return of their Messiah. That's the way they view it. When you look at all of this. Where is America and Britain? So then the, he, it goes on to talk about how this King of the North is going to come against the King of the South like a whirlwind. They're going to be surrounding them, and that's all explained in the new updated booklet that we'll send you. All of our literature is free, but right now you can see that Germany is.、Uh, Building a very strong strategy, because they have known for a long time that they're going to have a real problem with the King of the South, and they are the King of the North, and so they're strategizing immensely right now. Notice about the victory of the King of the North in Revelation 17 and verse 14. Here's the King of the North. These shall make war with the Lamb, the, that King of the North. And the Lamb, this is Jesus Christ returning to the earth, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. See those that are with Him, that did this, get this message out at this time before Jesus Christ returned. This Jerusalem is about to become the city of peace. That's what the name means. And it's going to be fulfilled by Christ Himself. But it's got to—it's not only going to bring peace to this world; it's going to bring peace to the universe, which has been attacked and destroyed or damaged very heavily by two rebellions of、uh, Satan, the devil. But God says this earth is going to blossom as a rose. And the universe is going to blossom as a rose. God says He's going to plant the heavens with beautiful things, just like you see on this earth. Romans eight talks about the universe just groaning for the time of the sons of God being born into the kingdom of God, so they can make the universe beautiful and inspiring, and it will be. Something to behold for all eternity, far more beautiful than it ever is today. Just looking up at the universe is quite inspiring and moving and stirring, but it's nothing compared to what's coming. 
It's really almost uh, ugly by comparison, you could say. People rarely see all of the warfare in uh, the, in the Middle East, but here's something that shocks a lot of people if they've not known it before uh, now, that the emphasis in all of this chaotic warring is God's own very elect. Now that's inspiring too. God really puts them right in the middle of all of this and tells everybody about it and emphasizes it, it, it over and over and over. Notice Daniel 11 and verse 32. This is about God's very elect, and it says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So, well, what's that all about? Exploits means heroic acts. God's people in the midst of all of this Middle East warring and the warring around the world is, is, is soon coming to an end. And God's people are, are telling them, and they're doing these heroic acts by of getting this message out to the world that is the most magnificent message you could ever even imagine. And it's far more than that. That's how great it is. Doing exploits, turning people, many people to God. And God says, if you do that, if you turn people to righteousness, then I'm going to make you shine like the stars forever and ever and ever. That's such an inspiring prophecy. How could we not be moved by that? God makes His very elect very known to people in this world if they understand Bible prophecy. We need to uh, emphasize this over and over and over, and what it all means is we have to see this all through the, the uh, eyes of Jesus Christ and God the Father. We have to see it through their eyes. Verse 35 of Daniel 11, it says, And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them, and to purge, and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. Yes, and that's in sight of God's own church. Most of the people are turning away, and God is going to have to try and test them to make them white so they'll come back to God in the early part of the Great Tribulation if they don't repent before. And they have that opportunity, but everybody has that opportunity. God even says in Ezekiel 33 and verse 11, Why will you die, O Israel? He doesn't want us to have any kind of problems like that. He wants to save us now and give us salvation now, physically and spiritually. But eternal life is at stake. And you can go and now in verse 38 it says, But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. This is the person in charge of God's own church who has turned away from God. And a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. 
in his estate. In other words, the word estate, the margin says, is stead, in his stead. He's put himself instead of God. That's what is happening and has happened to God's own church. Hard to imagine, but that's what your Bible says and prophesies. They're going, they're putting himself, themselves, he is putting himself in his place, in the place of God. A man has done that. What is happening to that man? You need to know, and this book will explain it to you very carefully. So, they're uh, among all these wars and the uh, demon and angels and, and men all over the place, all kinds of problems. But God tells us, and now look, if you'll just turn many to righteousness, do God's work and help get this message out there, I will reward you beyond words to even describe it all. They are such wonderful, wonderful, stirring words. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. <laughs>